Girl, this one was macho. I feel like there was a lot of macho energy in this one. I feel like a lot of people would be very grateful for that compliment from this. <laughs> I feel like that's exactly what they want to portray. <laughs> oh, so I fell for it. Great. <laughs> no, no, no. I, just, I feel a lot. I felt a lot of things with this. Did you feel a lot of things with this? I felt a whole lot of things. I felt a lot of things, but I won't be able to fully address it until we get something off my chest. Uh oh. Jillian <laughs> Pensavale! Patrick Hines. <laughs> <Ba-da-da>. <laughs> Before we get to the show, look, we're into Tiger King. It's taken a hard left. I have not paid any attention to this, so I don't. I did not know this was coming. Guys, we're now like animal craziness and murder mystery wrapped in one? Yeah, there's a lot. There's just, yeah, and it's it's crazy. Like, I'm trying not to side goog, and I'm trying to just take it as it comes, but I rewatched it this morning, and I was like, what? Like, all over again. I'm like, what? I'm stopping in my own track saying, what the? Did this bitch, I know. what the what? I know. You guys, if you need more to laugh about during this crazy time, join the Patreon at the $5 level you get like 140 full bonus episodes to download right this second it's where we do our episode by episode stuff right yeah so you know Tiger King is one of them yeah <laughs> uh, the that OJ thing about 852 episodes of Making a Murderer no we doubled up on one 851 Th- right right thank you thank you for, thank you for the correction I just you know I like to be accurate yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. the staircase the jinx Lorena Aaron Hernandez don't F with cats Don't Aaron F with Hernandez cats. the Menendez murders Lacey Peterson mm-hmm. like big ones what you guys have wanted us to cover and I will tell you, they're all as crazy as you think they are. Yeah. Yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> Weird job. You can also get ad-free versions of these episodes. We have an after-party tier where we just, like, hang out with you guys and, like, drink, basically. And, like, tell stories. We're doing a quarantine check-in. Hey, girl. You okay, girl? <laughs> you okay, girl? Anyway, check it out. We love you, and we want to make you laugh some more, so you know where to find it. TrueCrimeObsessed.com. Click on the Patreon link or patreon.com slash TrueCrimeObsessed. Go get your laugh on with us. Yeah, we know times are crazy, but we will be the constant in your life. God damn it. Come hell or high water. The constant crazy, you yep. guys. The constant crazy. There you go. Come hell or high water. <laughs> Death taxes and us. You're welcome, America. Deal with it. (laughs) Crazy. I'm stir crazy. I've lost it. This is it. I know. I know. Market April 21st at 6:31. Jillian has lost her mind. What are we talking about today? We're talking about Tread. Look, I loved it. I loved this documentary. Uh, let me tell you why. This documentary is a, its an insane story that I didn't know. It's very well made. But more than anything, they stick to one story. They just tell this one story. There's a lot of characters in this. They could have deviated and gone down the trails <laughs> of all these other weird people. They stuck to the one story, and it was a, a true, true pleasure to watch. Pleasure? Well... <laughs> <laughs> I I hear you. I hear what you're saying, but it was very stressful. Sad at times. Frustrating. (laughs) Confusing. Uh uh I'm so glad you had a nice time, girl. I'm so glad you found a positive light in all of this darkness. But I got to tell you, pleasurable, not the first word. 911, what's your emergency? Ask them to help us get a national card unit. My name is Marvin Hemeyer. He had a great reputation in the town. I mean, he was an outdoorsman. I didn't ever meet anybody who disliked him. Marv had a knack for welding, working on engines and motors. He was confident, and I thought he was handsome. 
He was larger than life. But I didn't get that feeling that he was so angry. No one realized how distorted it was becoming to him. I am making this tape for the task that I am about to undertake. In Marv's mind, the town's not treating him fairly. It's a kind of a community that in order for you to get ahead, you have to keep the neighbor down. Enough is enough. I'm not going to take it anymore. Huge monstrosity. It looks like a tank. How do I stop this? God expects me to do something to those who kept me from getting what I deserve. God's will be done. Through me. Girl, I want to get us started today because I just have a huge pink letters girl shit is going down yeah and so it's weird because it starts like so many of these episodes do they give us the best stuff right up at the top but it's usually a 911 right. call of sorts <laughs> for better or worse it's a 911 call yep. whether we yep. hate it love it think it's great think it's horrible it's a 911 and then we get the footage. I know. And it is just chaos. It is chaos upon chaos. I have, I have it is chaos in some fucking town. And then I just have, there's a bulldozer. Oh, God. In my notes. I'll take a screenshot for you. That's Like, I didn't watch the trailer. Like, I don't know what's coming. That's how riveted I am in the first 10 right. seconds. There's a bulldozer. What the? Where am I? What am I watching? You know it's a good documentary when the word bulldozer is said in our first five minutes and we kept watching. Oh, my God. Bulldozer? What do you even do with a thing like that? The thing about this, and I think what we've learned, is some of the best documentaries are made maybe because of the incredible amount of stuff they have at their disposal. And I don't say stuff lightly. I'm just saying yeah. like audio tape. We have cassette tapes here. Audio, totally. video, home movies. Again, there will never be a documentary made about me because all I have is podcasts. Can I just say this one thing? When we get to the main event here, the thing that happens, it takes the people of this town a really long fucking time to pull out their phones and start recording is all I'm saying. I get it was like 2004 Does or something. It? Yeah, because we get a reenactment of it and the reenactment is amazing. But we don't get to actual like somebody talks about getting his camcorder to record. Like this was not a time when you could just pull your phone out and like shove it up in the air to be fair they had other things on their mind like running away from a goddamn bulldozer that was also shooting at them that had been like tankified put your phone down girl put your phone down and run for your goddamn life i'm glad we don't have footage of that shit oh my god these people are focused and i appreciate that right. All right, well, let me say this too. Like, right at the top, like, after we see all this chaos, we hear what I have described at one minute and 10 seconds into the film oh God. a sweet sounding old man on a tape. And he says, Hello, my name is Marvin Haymeyer. Hello, my name is Marvin Haymeyer. Today is April 13, 2004. This tape is about my life since I come up here in 1991. I am making this tape 
really didn't think it'd make any difference if I did make it, but a good friend of mine said I should make it. He's like, I wasn't going to do this, but my friend said I should, so here we are. Right, and his friend wanted a videotape machine, Right. in quotes. <laughs> but Marvin uh, preferred audio. And then he's like, and you're just going to have to take my word that it's me. And that was the conversation. And then he just gives out his social security number as proof that it's really him. And this is when I'm like, okay, pause. Hold on a second. Because yeah. the fact that he does that and that the documentary plays it, that can't be good. So I have in my right. notes, I was like, that only means he's no longer with us. And it only means uh-huh. that this is going to take a really dark, sad turn. Yes. And then he says, with the last bit of the tape we hear before we start doing the backstory, he says, I want to say right now, God left me in advance for the task that I am about to undertake. Girl! I was like, Patrick, is that you, girl? (laughs) It's me, and I'm awesome. I'm like, that's out of the Patrick Hines playbook if I've ever heard it. (laughs) The other thing I want to say, the last thing I want to say before we get into the backstory, you guys, I don't want you to do any bad things. I want you to do good things. I'm a rule follower. I like to follow rules. I live in fear that people are going to yell at me. God, okay, mom, calm down. Okay, 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 okay. I'm just saying the best way to ensure that you're going to have a docu-fucking-mentary made about you that Jillian and I are going to cover is if you do something insane and you make like a six-hour tape of all the plans you made leading up to it. I'm going to include you in this. I'm going to speak for you real quick. This is so not our world. Like, it's so not... No, I mean, in so many ways. In so many ways. But so some of it is so funny to me where I'm like, huh, the sewage commission, huh? Those people are fancy. <laughs> They're the fanciest people in town. Like, and I think sewage <laughs> is important. It's just, I don't understand right. about like buying plots of land at land auctions and all that like I don't understand what what that's like and I think it's great if you do that and that's fine but there's some of it where I'm laughing at myself at how like bizarre it seems to me and I know because I'm a dumb city hick but then like there are parts of it where I'm like oh it's sad this is sad like this this Marvin like Marvin is is it like a sad character here one million percent so speaking of we meet journalist Patrick Brower great name guy girl the protagonist here we call him Marv and Patrick tells us a little bit about this guy's backstory right Marv Hemeyer, he was from South Dakota, and uh, he served in the Air Force. He realized that he had a knack for welding, working on engines and motors. He was stationed in Colorado and decided to stay in Colorado when he got out of the Air Force. He realized he had a knack for welding. That's a real thing. Like, that's a very high-earning job. And the thing is, he was so good at it. And he worked on engines and motors. And like what we're learning is like Marv was excellent at this thing that's really hard to do. And he did it well and he cared about it. And it was like a calling for him. You know how we know it was really it's like a really hard job. That's an awesome job because both the protagonist from Flashdance and Tommy the Musical were welders. Absolutely. Yes, girl. (laughs) Don't mind him. She just Uh loves musicals. Tommy's my favorite musical of all time. I know. So, you know, this guy Marv is telling us on his tape, he moved up to Colorado in 1991. He came up for a vacation. Like, he turned out to be such a monster. I hate to, like, give him the backstory, but... He worked at a muffler shop, moved up very quickly in the business. At some point, he just decided, heck, I can do this myself. And he went out and set up his own muffler shops. He was able to have income from businesses that he had started, mostly in northern Denver and Boulder area. 
You know, he started working in like a muffler shop and was like, I'm not making enough money. Like, I know more than my boss does. I'm going to open my own place. Yeah. So now we meet Trisha McDonald, who's Marv's former girlfriend. And the whole point of this section is like, he was the best welder around. He had a lot of friends. Everyone in town loved him. The same town that he ends up, spoiler, bulldozing. Like, the whole point is (laughs) that everyone is saying like, there was a time where he was great and he was like talented and cared about his work and everyone kind of loved him. So Trisha McDonald, Marv's former girlfriend, Friend is here to tell us some stuff and Trisha Trish <laughs> Trish she says this thing and she has okay. nothing but great things to say about Marv then he's all he was all school to me you know men are people society doesn't allow that anymore you know he's a handshake's a handshake kind of guy to me Know, he was an old school man and society doesn't allow that anymore. Uh-huh. It's very like, honey, am I allowed? Okay, great. It's Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just don't like what that implies. Like society doesn't allow men to be real men anymore. And I'm like, Trish, right. oh, how phobic are you? What's the right. phobic? Right. <laughs> are you tra- it sounds a little right. transphobic to me. It sounds a little homophobic. It sounds it yep. sounds yep. like all the phobics. I, I don't necessarily agree with a lot of things you believe in, Trish, girl. I gotta tell you from the from the beginning, I'm gonna be honest with you. We're all friends here. May- or maybe Maybe not. <laughs> um, the other thing we need to talk about here, this documentary gives us like 15 minutes about how much fucking Marv loved to snowmobile. Again, out of my element. Not I know. Don't, <laughs> somebody explain to me snowmobiling. I truly don't understand. Like you are volunteering to go out into the cold weather and then get on like a basically motorized toboggan and just go into the wilderness for what reason? I mean, I, I understand I, like, oh, this is exhilarating <laughs> for five minutes. But the thing is like... <laughs> They had this like Thursday crew yes. and it, we meet like Stuart Spencer and he, he is with us throughout and like Matt, this young, young kid, this teenager who like rode. Excuse me, do you mean sweet little Maddie Reed as I have him in my notes? Yeah, I take issue with Matt a little bit later, but you yeah. Okay. <laughs> I think Matt, Matt is sort of like, Matt girl, can we look at what I really know. happened here? Matt. I know. I but Matt, I know. Matt, Matt is here to tell us. When I started riding with Marv and the Thursday crew, I was 16 years old. And I couldn't drink with them. I couldn't do any of that stuff. I had to go home to mom and answer to mom still. Marv was, in some respects, he took me under his wing. He helped teach me how to snowmobile, work on snowmobiles. He's always a mentor and always helped, always gave. Marv didn't say like, oh, kid, get out of here. Snowmobiling's for the real men. Like he was just kind of like, come on, Matt, like come hang. And he took Matt under his wing. And it's like, again, 15 minutes of everyone saying like, Marv was the best, the best. So then we get this audio of Marv from one of the old cassette tapes. And from the cassette tape he made in the prelude to bulldozing this town. Right. And he's talking about, because we get all of this, all of these comments from the community and about like, and how, about how amazing he was and how amazing the community was. And then we hear this Marv tape. Yeah. And how he was like generous to the community. And then we hear Marv say. It's a kind of a community that in order for you to get ahead, you have to keep the neighbor down. It's not... You know, build yourself up on your own merit. It's tear the other guy down. It's the kind of community where in order to get ahead, you have to keep your neighbor down. So it's not about your merit. It's about tearing others down. And he was like actively trying to go against that. He just didn't subscribe to the fact that in order to get ahead, you have to keep your neighbor down. Exactly. And according to him, that's how this town of Granby, Colorado, that's the gig there. Right. And so we we learn more about this town. We meet the sheriff and, you know, they're saying that like Granby was like at one time was like the wild, wild west and they've tamed it, you know, in recent years. 
years, but that it's a place where like it's not uncommon for like two weeks in a row in the winter. It'll be below 10 degrees. And I just have no thank you, girl. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. I know I'm like Ms. My birthday's the winter solstice, but girl. I know. But they say like it's very independent and, you know, you have to be able to do without things and you have to like small towns and I have. Nope. I'm just like, you know who'd hate this? (laughs) Ms. Patrick Hines. No, thank you. Patrick Hines. If you're nasty. So now we learn, I got a hell of an education about many things, but one of them was the <laughs> public auctions. Yes. Basically, Marv gives us this story about, he was looking for a place to set up his muffler shop. And he goes to this public auction and he learns about this property. It's a foreclosed property. It's 3,000 square feet on two acres. And he wants to buy the property. And from Marv's telling, there's another guy there that also really wants the property. And his name is Cody Docheff. And he's there with his friend Gus. They had a bid for $35,000 from some guy up front. So finally they caught my bid. So I got I got a bid for forty. This other guy jumped up on his chair. I've come to find out his name was Cody Gochev. And this part I don't really understand. Gus was going to sort of like buy the land and give it to Cody. But none of that happens because Marv bids on the land and no one else does. Gus Harris was his buddy there sitting beside him. Gus was sponsoring the whole financing on this thing, and Gus wasn't going to pay more than 50 grand for it. And I was waiting for him to bid, and he wouldn't bid. So I got the property. Marv is like, I kept waiting for them to bid, and they wouldn't. So Marv's like, I guess I will. And Marv bids and wins the property for $40,000. And so then we get more audio from Marv where he's like, Cody came up to me after the fact, and he was, you know, introduced himself by being super rude. This guy came back there and introduced himself to me about the rudest, most arrogant person. I mean, this guy's just a fucking asshole. Come back and just introduced himself by giving me a tongue lashing for about 10 minutes. And he was yelling in my face about how he wanted that land. And so this Cody guy sounds crazy. And Marv is just like, this guy's a fucking asshole. So I'm just going to say this now. We get a completely contradicting version of this story down the road from Cody and the financier guy, Gus. So everything you're going to hear in these Marv tapes, take with a grain of salt, because when it's fact-checked down the road, everyone's like, no, girl, I didn't care. I didn't want that land. I don't think I even met Marv now. Me and Gus just got up and walked out after we're done. The reason I ask is that Marv claims that uh, you guys talked afterwards. Uh, I don't believe we talked to Talker. Gus doesn't remember it either. So Cody went with me, but he had no party in the in the auction. There really wasn't much of anything happened. Uh, I don't know what Marv did. I wasn't paying any attention to him really. The very next thing that happens is Marv on the tape is telling us that in the summer of '92 he's got this property and you gotta tap into a sewer line. I don't anything about this but i have a big letters here we are talking about poop again girl yeah. all we ever do is talk about poop i mean i'm assuming everyone in this documentary wears their underwear but i don't know i mean <laughs> that's another thing that always comes up it's like poop oj and people not wearing underwear can't escape it <laughs> And it's this whole thing where Marv is like, sure, I'll tap into the sewer line. Like, I just assumed it would happen. And then we find out. And again, according to Marv. Right. We find out that according to Marv, his property was so far away from the sewer line that it was actually going to cost $80,000 to hook into it. Right. And they're like, all right, like, you have to do this. And like, it was going to uproot all the land and it was going to cost all this money. And so then. Remember, he paid $45,000 for the property and it's going to cost him, according to him, double the tap 
into the sewer line. But here's the thing. Does anybody think that that's maybe why that property cost $45,000 and nobody else wanted it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Look, I I, I I just watched The Money Pit the other night for the 600th time. Totally. Girl, if it's too good to be true, you got to ask yourself why. Exactly. Okay. And so Marv is starts blaming this whole situation on this guy named Ron Thompson. And we learn Ron Thompson is one of the good old boys. I never had anybody sit there and plan to cut me out of a, an opportunity like the Thompsons did when they denied me access to the sanitation district. It doesn't make any sense other than that it was the good old boys patting each other on the back. And so this is where we learn that there are like two classes of people in this town. There's Ron Thompson and his friends who are like the fancy people who control the sewer. And then there are like Marv and his friends who are like the guys that like weld bumpers and go snowmobiling. Right, yes, absolutely. And so we have like Marv's friends, like his friend Stuart and Matt, who you love. And they're to this day, like it's the good old boys club. Marv was absolutely right. They were all out to get him. And then we have like Ron Thompson, VP of the board of the sewer district excuse you you stand when he enters a room saying like girl this was like just standard procedure i because you have a business and you need a bathroom girl like i'm sorry i don't mean to be on the wrong side of history here but you need a bathroom you need a i mean and like you should probably know if you're gonna like start i don't just i don't I don't. This is so, I'm so out of my wheelhouse here. And I feel like I'm going to be screaming about something and everyone's going to be like, girl, you're a dumb city hick. You have no idea what you're talking about. But I will tell you, like, look, I've learned from me, from these documentaries, don't do the polygraph test. I have now also learned if I'm going to buy a property for $45,000 in the middle of nowhere, find out how far it is from the nearest sewage line and how much that shit's going to cost to get hooked up to. Yeah. So I say thank you, Tread. Thank you. For a great many things. (laughs) Right. So we learned about the Thompson family. Family. Our reporter friend Patrick is back. Great name on that guy. I know. He also works for Sky High News, which I just I love. Know. That's like out of a movie, isn't it? It's so totally. good. I love it. So he's back to tell us that like... The Thompson family is what I'd call a Granby legacy family. A wealthy working family in the Granby area, making their money off of excavation, but also living off the fact that they owned a lot of the land just because they'd been here forever. They've been there forever. They're super rich and they're super rich because they've been there forever. They own most of the land and they've also like started this like successful excavation company. So it's like Dick Thompson, the son of the first Thompson family to ever settle on this land. And then there's Ron, Larry and Gary. Hang on a second. I'm going to have to ask you to slow down on Larry and Gary. Larry and Gary. I'm obsessed with Larry and Gary. They become talking heads in this documentary. Larry and Gary. Am I Larry? They're confused for each other all the time. It's like... They're great. They end up being great. And so, you know, this whole thing is happening in 1992, right? And the next bullet point we get is 1998. And in that time, Marv is telling us, like, you know what? I went along to get along. I didn't want to make a big deal of it. Like, I wanted to be friendly to the people in the town. I didn't want to ruin my good name there. And I just have, but girl, did you, like, get a working toilet or no? Girl, no. (laughs) I know. The answer is no, he did not. He's got this business in the middle of town and he'd never, between 92 and 98, did not have a functioning toilet. And let me say, if they really were out to get Marv, between 1992 and 1998, they would have gotcha him. You know what I mean? Right. They're gotcha, yeah. don't it hurt ya. The, the gotcha dancers, Joan Calamezzo would have been there. Yes. And they kind of let him slide for six years. Totally. So 
What he's telling us now is that in 98, the Thompsons and the board of the, of the little town or whatever decide they're going to start doing this thing called spot zoning the neighborhood. I have no fucking idea what that means. Great. But Marv is telling us that it's illegal. But nobody questioned it for the 30 days that they started doing it. So then it like became legal. Girl, are you proud of me? <laughs> I am so insanely proud of you. That's exactly how I understood it. I put spot zone and I sort of explained it like they explained it in the documentary, but I don't know what it means. Is it law? Like, I don't have time to Google. Like, I can't read legalese. Robbie, how? I, I just, I can't do it. <laughs> so now, according to Marv, because of that, because it's now law in Colorado. And this Dotef guy, he's going to try to buy the property next door to the west of me and has a contract on it to purchase it. And they were going to be able to put this concrete plant right there next to all those houses downwind of the town and Cody's motivation was to get back a barn. Cody, the guy who yelled at him at the auction, is now able yeah. to buy the property right next to Marv and open right. a cement plant. And now Marv on audio is like, Cody's entire motivation was to get back at Marv. So Marv decides he's going to, like, take this to the city council. Like, he's trying to make it so that Cody's business doesn't happen. And he's going to the city council, and he's, like, getting the people from the neighborhood around where the concrete factory or whatever mm -hmm. is going to be to join him. And he's, like, think about the dust and the noise pollution and the uh, extra traffic. And all these people are like, oh, yeah, girl, that actually sounds terrible. Like, we really don't want this. Right, like, he was going door to door. And you guys, these hearings, they were pretty rowdy. <laughs> because, you know, Marv was knock, knock, knocking on every one's door saying girl can you believe the dust and what about this and just kind of ranting and raving and they're like wait what like Marv that super nice guy who I go snowmobiling with Marv who like fixed my muffler Marv who does like the best job like the best <laughs> welder and everyone loves him like truly like he's a great like pillar of the community so yeah they're gonna show up to these hearings and they're gonna be on Marv's side because why wouldn't they trust Marv right so now while this is happening we are hearing from Marv that the town is really cracking down hard on Marv <laughs> They're coming after him because he doesn't have a working toilet, girl. Because remember that super long pipe that was 800 yards? What, what is it? Is a yard, a mile, whatever. It doesn't matter. Like eight years ago, he was supposed to get it. He never did. So a judge is like, look, girl, we gave you six years of leeway from 92 to 98. You didn't do it. <laughs> That's six years without a working toilet. I'm just saying six years. He had to drive home to poop, I hope. I don't know. So a judge is like. He ended up going to Granby Municipal Court. Judge Noriyuki was presiding. She said, we find you in violation. We're going to give you a deferred judgment, however. And you can't use the property for anything until you're hooked up to water and sewer. Sweetheart, look, yeah. you cannot use this property for anything until you hooked up the water and the sewer lines like we asked you to six years ago. And here's the thing. Right. We're going to fine you a hundred bucks a day until you get this done. You're running a business. You have to have things on the up and up. We let you slack off for six years. You should be thanking us. Right. So the thing about this is, according to Marv, now he's finally like, fine, I'll do it. I'll pay the money. However, there's now a new property in between me and the sewer line. Guess who owns it? It's that guy Cody and his right. like concrete factory. He bought it fair and square. And according to Marv, I guess again, I don't understand how like zoning and property and all of that stuff works, but I guess like Marv is saying he would have to pay Cody or get some sort of permission from Cody to go through his property. And according to Marv, Cody says no. No, bitch. You've been a dick to me this whole time. You can't use my property. So we get journalist Patrick who's like, look, Marv was at the end of his rope and he didn't know what to do. He thought the town was coming for him. He's the little guy. They're gonna get him. He goes and sits in his 
his hot tub. Let's not forget Marv has money, you guys. He goes yeah. and sits in his hot tub with like a beer and a cigar. And according to Patrick, the journalist, this is where Marv hatches his plan. Right. So now this is where we get, I mean, a hundred zillion times audio of Marv saying God is telling him to oh do my God. this task. When I was sitting in the hot tub, and I mean, I was, I was weeping. And a peace came over me where I knew God wanted me to do it. And I didn't understand. I said, why did you ask me to do this? Is that why I never had a family? Is that why I never had kids? Is that why I've always been successful? So that I would realize my rewards for doing this task. This has to be done. The world will tell my story. And then you're like, oh, Okay, hold on a second. So you guys, it's summer 2002 and Marv goes to California to buy a bulldozer and I just have, oh shit. So he like buys it and he just like puts it in his driveway and his best friend is like. He parked Camazzo outside the muffler shop just to make Dochef nervous. That's why he bought it for the intimidation factor. It was for the intimidation factor. And I'm like, for what? Because what he does, he brings it to the muffler store. And remember, this guy, Cody. <laughs> the muffler store. It's, <laughs> it's like a muffler it's like shoppy. A, it's like a workshop. But I love it. Like to you, you walk in and you're like, what kind of muffler am I feeling today? <laughs> It's a Do you guys have store. any mufflers? Like, he brings it to his muffler store. I'm standing by it, <laughs> and he he turns it around so that the blade of it faces Cody's concrete workshop or whatever. Sure, I don't know the word for that. So that's the whole thing. It's the whole thing is all just intimidation. So now we're gonna cut to fall of 2003, and we meet Travis from the Trash Company. At that time, we were getting bigger, and we needed a place to where we could call home. Travis finally offered Marv $400,000, and Marv agreed to sell the land to them for that amount. Sure enough, I think it was even within 24 hours, Travis had water and sewer hooked up to the property. We bought it all, and he basically back-rented from us the building that he put the dozer in. Travis is so cute, and I texted this to you earlier. I was like, you guys, Travis made a trash company, and it was really successful, and I just want to say congratulations. Like, he is, like, the prime example of a small business owner who, like, did it. You did it, Travis. Congratulations. I agree completely. I love Travis. I love his trash company. I love that, like, the people who, like, (laughs) the lower third is, like, Travis from the trash company. Travis is not trash at all. His business is trash. He is excellent. Yes, because the whole thing that happens here is that Marv has been trying to unload this land that he bought in 92 for $45,000 or whatever. He's been trying to unload it for years and years and playing games. And Travis, the trash guy, is like, girl, my business is booming and we need to expand. We need a spot. He buys Marv's muffler shop. <laughs> Which is what it's officially called. Marv's Muffler Shop. It's very cute. It's got the little bell on the door. It always smells like Christmas in there. Oh, hey, Marv. Ooh, what do you have today? Like he has like specials. <laughs> Artisan mufflers. <laughs> <laughs> Made by hand, daily, on the premises. Yeah, it's like mufflers and pickles. Like, I'm just saying, it's like artisan mufflers and pickles. Mufflers to go. And so Travis pays $400,000 for this property. And so Marv moves that dozer into one of the back houses of this land he just sold to the trash guy. Right. And he, like, they say, quote, back rents it from Travis. And so he's got this, like, dozer in a shop where he's turning it into a tank to demolish the town. And nobody knows. 
And here's one thing, just real quick. You remember the thing that it took six years, like to get the water lines and the sewer lines, all that shit that Marv refused to do. Yeah. Travis does it in under 24 hours, girl. <laughs> I know. So yeah, so now Marv is in this big shed working on this dozer. He had a small sleeping area. He lived and worked in the shed. Can we just say what Marv decided in that hot tub? Remember the hot tub moment where he had a revelation? Mm-hmm. Marv decided that God said to him he needed to get a bulldozer and bulldoze the living shit out of this town. He needed to turn it into a tank because right. remember, he's a master welder. And so right. he can like take an existing structure and make it like an impenetrable tank of war and bulldoze this town for their sins. And so that's what he's doing. And that back house that he's now back renting from, from Travis the trash guy, no one comes in, no one goes out. Marv is in there working 24-7. He never leaves. And this is his mission now. He's building this like tank bulldozer. He's mad. <laughs> I, I, I totally had like a vision of you saying that exact thing when I was writing this down. <laughs> Mad. So cut to June 4th, 2004. And you guys, we just see this you like. You guys, just sit down, please. Just sit. Yeah, like sit. it's so, it gets so crazy. I was not Get expecting this to be so fucking crazy. Same. This part is a reenactment because obviously there's no video of it when it happened. And I'm imagining because this movie is amazing that like this tank bulldozer thing is built to the exact scale that Marv actually built it to. We see this tank bulldozer breaking out it just drives through a wall it drives through the wall of the enclosure he had been building it in we do eventually see actual news footage of this yes, thing and it's insane but we get a 911 call so calm I- hi <laughs> and it's again from our heroes at the trash company and she's like 911 what's your emergency um there's a area at the trash company uh-huh. and there is a bulldozer over at mount park concrete destroying their building it's destroying the building okay yeah. is anyone on it yeah it's all encased in metal and you can't see who's driving or anything yeah, they can't get it to stop hi so i'm um, sorry i'm so sorry i'm at the trash company there is a um it's a bulldozer destroying a building here and the, and the dispatcher is like a bulldozer destroying a building and she's like yeah it's in case that you can't see who's driving i don't right. know i don't know what's so just just so you know if you could really rush it she's like we can't get it to stop like she sounds so calm and then we get 10 minutes later her name is sherry sherry from the trash company i'm obsessed with her she calls back and she goes yeah. hi i'm so sorry is um so it's still happening are you guys coming yeah. or so if i wasn't clear earlier it's a goddamn fucking bulldozer right. who's destroying these buildings and attacking people are you guys on your way or you have something else because the thing is if you remember like marv has a lot of enemies in this town (laughs) enemy number one is cody and the concrete company that is like you walk out the door of the trash company and you can see it so this bulldozer tank thing is heading right for cody's concrete company and this thing is just like bashing into the buildings trying to break them down marcia came across the radio she's screaming she said cody cody man i went running over then he just turned the dozer and headed for the matchstick. And so Cody is like losing his mind. And I don't know if it's the real guy or if it's an actor. Like if it's the real guy in the reenactment or if it's an actor or whatever. But this guy is losing his mind. Like you see him seeing this tank bulldozer bashing into his building. Somebody hands him a gun and he just starts shooting at it. Takes the gun up and bang, bang. Not only is the diesel engine screaming as it's pushing the dozer, but the treads, they're creaking and scraping. There's the roar of the engine, and then there's just the sound of crash and boom, because he's really knocking all these walls down. 
then the rest of this documentary is just utter chaos. Yeah. So like just to be prepared, it's going to be and then and then and then. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of like loud noises and me shrieking. And Cody comes in with what they call a front loader. Right. And it's basically just like, I don't know, a thing that has a loader in the front that you load. It's another bulldozer. I say they have a bulldozer off. That backs away from the building and a front end loader approaches it and I see the front end loader is being operated by Cody Docha. I told Cody, get the biggest loader you got and see if you can't get underneath his track to uplift him. And Cody did. He backed up with a big loader and hit him. And they're slamming. He's like slamming into the dozer and he's trying to raise it up. And I said, all of these people are fighting the dozer. I said, I've never, in my notes, I've never seen anything like this. I know. And then you guys, if we could take a quick pause, super hot Sheriff Jim shows up. This guy is 50 and fabulous. He is a silver fox and he grabs a rifle and he's also the actor in the reenactment. You see him running towards the dozer and he goes, I'm yelling. I'm yelling. <laughs> he's, he's not the one that has like all the taxidermy in his cabin behind him is that him i was lost in his eyes so i'm not sure okay i, I was not so <laughs> but then cody's in his dozer then there's like what they what they end up calling the kill dozer which is mars because it's like an actual kill machine you guys it's so fucking tragic you guys they're firing rifles at it nothing it's like the bullets are bouncing off nothing is penetrating this thing but cody's like i'm gonna like ram into this thing and cody knocks himself out i know <laughs> Cody, it's not I'm not funny! Like, I, know. <laughs> I slipped off. When he backed out, he was back in half in the middle of the yard guy. I went to get him again. And I hit him. He said, my wheels went off the ground on four feet. I didn't see all of that happen. When I hit him, my head hit the windshield. I was down. Cody, I'm not laughing because it's funny. I'm just laughing because it's like, what the... F Cody knocks himself out. I know, it's crazy. Look, the nervous laughter I had for the last 25 minutes of this documentary is like unprecedented. I was just like, if I don't laugh, I'm gonna... I don't know what I'm gonna do. I know, and then more cops show up and this one guy is like... I don't know, I expected to see a bulldozer. It looks like a tank. There's this huge black monstrosity. I mean, almost like a World War One big boxy rumbly tank and then the next thing you're thinking is how do, how do you attack something like this how do i stop this i was expecting a bulldozer but then i turned the corner and saw this like it's i mean it looks like an actual monster and the thing is marv is so good at this he's so good at building machines like this that he's got a gun that he's able to fire out but nothing can get in and he also thought ahead like he thought very very far ahead so first of all to see this thing it's slow moving but it's terrifying truly totally. it's terrifying and then it starts shooting at you and then you're thinking oh my god whoever created this thought ahead to be able to maneuver it and they must have cameras everywhere because yeah. there are no windows in it so like right. the idea of like the thought that went into this and then everyone is realizing holy shit how about that part where one of the cops just like jumps on top of the bulldozer and is like oh. riding it at one point so what happens is this bitch is getting on the highway going five miles an hour in his tank and this cop named glenn jumps onto the top of the tank i got the idea to climb up and see if you know, I could actually gain entry. So he's climbing up and we start running along with him, trying to cover it. 
I was expecting to see, you know, something with a handle that I could pull up and, and open, and there was absolutely nothing. You know, it was solid sheet metal from the front to the back. He's trying to see in and see if there's any penetrable way to, like, shoot Marv or get in, and there isn't. And so Glenn is like, so there I just was. I was just going along for the ride. And he's like, well, it was hard enough to get on it. So I right. guess I'll just, <laughs> you know, when in doubt, just stay here. So, like, what's happening is, that, like, the tank is now, like, making its way towards death downtown and the cops are calling they have to evacuate the town they're doing this thing that they're calling a reverse 911 where 911 is calling you and telling you to be boop, like boop, 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 boop. <laughs> hey leave click boop, 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 boop. hey leave click boop, 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 boop. I, and I the mean, thing that's so terrifying is that like they're headed for the town hall and the town hall is actually on the second floor of this building and the library is on the first floor and there's kids in there there's like students in there and yeah. so we meet the librarian who's a hero hero bell for this fucking librarian who's like, my original thought was like, get everyone to shelter in place. Like, we're going to huddle down in the library. Because after the first one, we were just thinking, barricade everyone inside, not knowing that we were a target, that there was a bulldozer heading right there. And then a, shortly after that, we got another call, a 911 reverse call. They were telling everyone, evacuate your building now. You guys, we see the footage of this demolished library. And he yeah. also went into the playground. So there's parts of it where it's like, oh, it was very specific. He wanted the people who like, oh, those bastards. They wanted him to have running water at his right. place of business. But he also was just like, oh, kids are in the library. Oh, fuck them too. I'm going to bulldoze that. Totally. And that's where I'm like, look, this guy snapped yeah there's no question that this person fucking snapped but the idea of him like in this kill machine I going know. for the kids at the library uh-uh but then they're like where is he going now he gets back on the highway this is the other thing they keep bringing out these enormous like vehicles to try to like put in his way what he did do is bring in two big earth movers or scrapers the bulldozer just basically moved this scraper just right out of the way and he just moves them out of the way gets back on the highway he's going down for like the sky news building girl reporter patrick he's coming for your ass yeah absolutely and it's so crazy because you see that like at this point there are like people jogging alongside the tank trying to shoot into it not making any dents he gets to the news building and like reporter patrick runs out the back he rams this tank into the front of this building And he's like ramming it in, pulling it out, ramming it in, pulling yeah. it out. And oh the building God. just collapses. And it's at this point that now the camcorders are out. So we're seeing the actual footage and it's so loud and jarring. It's so fucking terrible. And it makes me think, shit, is there really nothing we can do to stop this guy? Right, right. Well, so what happens is that the only way they can stop him is for him to either have some malfunction or to run out of gas or whatever. So the last place this guy is going, he's going to the store that is owned by my boyfriend, Casey. Yeah. My husband, who I've left my family for. He owns a store like downtown and like- The hardware as... store. The hardware store. <laughs> and so like as he's rounding the corner to demolish this guy's store, all of a sudden like white smoke starts coming out of the tank. Somewhere right in that time frame. It appears that he loses all his antifreeze. There's a big white puff of what would be the antifreeze hitting hot metal components. 
from the engine, and there's a lot of white smoke steam. I copy people smoking heavily at Fort and Agate. He ran out of antifreeze. Can you imagine? He builds this like armored tank, and the thing that makes the whole thing malfunction is that he runs out of antifreeze. Right, and this is after he tried to like shoot up explosives. He went to yeah. this industrial thing. He tried to kill the Thompson, Larry and Gary, kill their mother. Yeah. This is his last ditch effort, and finally the thing just like pitters out. <laughs> It's like, and thank God. So yeah, so there he is. He runs out of gas or whatever. And one of the cops, I think the hot Dilphy cop is like, one of the radio transmissions of the time is get ready for a gunfight. Because where else are we going with this? It just figures we've gone this far. Now it's, you know, does somebody pop out of it? Does it just fire from its position? Because this thing was shooting at them the whole time. Right, right. And so, like, kind of nothing happens, and then all of a sudden, they hear a gunshot. And it's, like, kind of the most obvious thing, the only way this could end, where Marv, in the tank tractor dozer thing, takes his own life. And it takes the cops, like, 10 hours hours to get into it. They have to bring in like a fucking like blowtorch or whatever to like cut through the shit to get into this tank where they find Marv's dead body. And then it's like for the end of the documentary it's like well this makes worldwide news for like a little bit of time. One day! It makes news for one day! I've never heard of this. Because Ronald Reagan died the next day and then the media didn't care about this at all. Yeah also good riddance Ronald Reagan. The thing about it is like it was astonishing to see how do we not know this story. This is one of the most insane things we've ever covered. Look, I gotta tell you, I googled. There are people who think that Marv is a hero and, like, encourage people to do what Marv has done. Yeah, he's not a hero, you guys. I'm sorry. Like, I just, it's sad, but he's not a fucking hero. No. He tried to kill kids. He, like, he tried to kill people. I don't care. This sucks. Everything about this sucks. <laughs> except, except, ironically, except... For the trash people, the people who own the trash right. company. They're right. the best part about this. <laughs> and my boyfriend, Casey. Can, have you forgotten that I'm remarried? Did you forget? I didn't forget. And also Patrick, your namesake. We, <laughs> lo we love a lot of people in this. But for the most part, God, you guys, this person is not a hero. This is a tragic story for fucking everyone involved. Right. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Girl, we did tread. Listen, Super Hot Husband Steve's been trying to get us to do this for forever. I'm so glad we did it. I'm so glad we did it too. I loved this documentary. You guys, you cannot imagine what this footage looks like. Go watch this documentary. I wholeheartedly think you need to go watch this right this very second. It truly is like, I'm literally clutching my chest. You can see me. Like as, yeah. as I was watching it, I'm like, because it's so slow moving and you want to laugh at it, but it's like, oh my God, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen. It's true. You guys, if you want more Jillian and me, get on the Patreon. We are in the middle of Tiger King. You wanted it we're doing it i'm telling you it's hilarious and ridiculous and we are so mad about it but it, the patreon is also where we do our episode by episode stuff right girl oh my god yes of course so it's like 140 full bonus episodes of what like lacey peterson don't f with cats lorena the jinx the staircase oj serial season one yeah aaron hernandez madeline mccann natalie holloway madonna's truth or dare we haven't madonna's thrown that in there truth for a couple weeks queen of versailles <laughs> it's so much <laughs> stuff go check it out you can also get ad free versions of these episodes our after parties our quarantine check-ins we're kind of just like never stopping making content yeah we give you like ringtones and fun stuff yeah one of the tiers got a puzzle pack made personally by steve <laughs> steve and our, and our our new admin chris who's also very smart hey girl. and we are very lucky to have him on the team 
Girl, tell the people what we're doing next. It's the Chris Watts thing you're dying to do. What is it called? It's called Chris Watts Family Man, Family Murderer. And I'm going to tell you right now, just like Ted Bundy, I am not going to talk about how hot this guy is, even though he did gay stuff. Wow. Okay. A lot of information <laughs> was just thrown at me. So I'm not I, I, He's garbage. I know that this case is horrifying and sad. I know nothing about it. I'm, I mean, I, okay. It's really, really bad. I'm ready to learn, I guess. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Girl, tell the people where they can find us. They can find us at truecrimeobsessed.com. That gets you all the episodes and, you know, our calendar, our promo codes, all that good stuff. Merch, merch, merch. We are at True Crime Obsessed Podcast on Instagram. Yep. At True Crime Obsessed, no ED on Twitter. You are at Julian with a G on all the things. And you are at Patrick Hines underscore on Instagram and uh-huh. at Patrick Hines on the Twitter. You guys, we love you so much. Thanks for hanging out. Go watch um, Tread. I cannot tell you enough how much I love it. And stay tuned for our ridiculous outtakes in the trailer for Chris Watts, Family Man, Family murderer we love you we love you thank you so much for sticking with us and you know it's all gonna be great you guys just eventually it's gonna be great all right we love you guys all right bye the disappearance of a pregnant frederick woman and her two children has captured the nation's attention it's the gut-wrenching tragedy that's grabbing all the headlines shanann was this loving mother with her two kids and her husband and things went completely south the family of Chris Watts is nowhere to be found. Shannon, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just, just, just come back. The right words seemed to be coming out of his mouth, but the way he was saying it struck everyone as particularly cold. Chris Watts harbored secrets he thought no one would ever know about. In this one-hour special report, we'll take you deep inside this horrifying investigation. Where about Shannon and How in the world can you do that to your own kids? Explore the transformation from family man to monster. And I woke up that morning, I knew what's going to happen, and I had no control of it. This is a dichotomy of personalities here. Who is the real Chris Watts? Are you listening to the new Fiona Apple? Just say yes. Just say yes. Yes, yes. It's, yeah, you know that I was friends with her for five minutes. I know. <laughs> Patrick Hines wasn't actually friends with Fiona Apple. <laughs> you okay, honey? I'm afraid so. <laughs> Get any money. That guy keeps getting recommended as a Facebook friend for me. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Great. <laughs> Although I, I I think it's a very good documentary. Good. 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 <laughs> Put that on the poster, director. <laughs> I imagine it's like, I think dot, dot, dot. It was, parentheses, like, looks out the window. A very good, question mark, movie. <laughs> if that's really how I sound, then I have some some work to do on my on how I hear myself, because I feel like I strung <laughs> that shit together a little <laughs> Can you imagine if I was there in the background of every single shot? You would just hear. Yeah. Oh, can like, we get can we get one without the screeching? <laughs> can we get can we mute her? Is her mic mutable? <laughs> can we can we just like do that in post? You can do that in post, right? Right. <laughs> no. The answer is no. When anyone says that to you as an editor, no, we can't. I know. No, we can't. I'll do it, but you can't. I put spot zone and I sort of explained it like they explained it in the documentary, but I don't know what it means. I, I, yeah, great. So on, on that. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, so with that, I will continue. You guys are registered there, right? Wink, oh, wink. <laughs> We're registered at our own store. I am now part owner. Thank you very much. I was making a hardware I, joke. Because <laughs> because of, as Michael Scott would say, because, you know, like gay. <laughs> yeah, I'm there with you. I'm there with you.